This person has made a big impact on our life. Have really learned a lot from her. All right, somebody get me out of here. <laughs> no, we've had our own little counseling in this whole thing. This has been quite the counseling session. <laughs> I hope you've learned a lot. We've definitely benefited from this. <laughs> you we. See Did you see that? Yeah, uh, and I just said we. Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Oops. Wow. <laughs> Well, I'm... We're live, guys. We're live. Very excited to set this whole episode up and to bring up the age-old debate about how many plants is reasonable oh, in again. one person's home. Yes. Why? 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 Because again? you brought every potted plant from our yard into the oh, house. Oh, yeah. It was cold, guys. You and know, we had a cold spell and I was worried about my babies. I am a plant mama and I'm going to take care of them. So just last week, it was after work and I was storming around the house. <laughs> counting? No. Wait, what? Pouting? Is that what you said? No, counting them? Well, I didn't really. I don't know. And you just said, what's wrong with you, Jeff? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> this is a true story. I said, I feel so claustrophobic in this house. And you were like, well, why? And I was like, because there's plants every freaking place that I turn. <laughs> plants everywhere. I sat in this leather chair that we have surrounded by 87 plants no. in one corner. I think we just have 75 now. There's literally seven plants around my chair. There is. Seven. Because that's a very well window area. <laughs> If you've ever seen Game of Thrones, you There's know, the, lots the, of windows the there. throne of Game of Thrones. It's like you're surrounded by all these in that in that. I've never seen Game of Thrones. Well, there's this throne and it literally is made of all these swords. And I was thinking I am sitting in the Chinnabarger version of the Game of Thrones throne, except I'm surrounded by plants. And they're lovely. And you know what? You are probably one of the most well oxygenated humans. <laughs> And I still got Walking sick last around. week. <laughs> Oxygen so anyway, is so good. All that's so to say, clean. I've been going through a minimalism project myself to try to get rid of some things in my house. And I'm volunteering if any listeners <laughs> no. want a few plants in their house. I actually talked to Kayla about you don't know this. I talked to what? Kayla about this last week. Yeah. No, my plants do not go anywhere. She has a new house, and I said, Do you need any, <laughs> any plants? I you offered my baby. I was like, I have at least 10 I can give you. Kayla's like sitting here with us like, oh no, I'm in trouble. Well. Kayla knows that she and I will not be friends if she takes my wow, plant. Wow. So she knows. Okay, let's she move knows on. what's up. Let's move on to our interview. Plants aside, and don't be surprised if there's a few missing. You know where they're Absolutely at. They're at not. Uh, we have a great episode. Yes, yes, yes. Today we have Megan and Ashley. Megan is a seventh grade science teacher. Ashley is an Episcopal priest. And they're just a delight. Yeah, they're really they were, fun. This is just a really fun and uh, glorious interview with these two. And doing just normal life here in Atlanta with us. And yeah, we're excited to introduce you to them. Yeah, so let's just get right to it. Let's not waste around talking about plants for the rest of our lives. Let's get to real life. <laughs> You're the one that keeps bringing it up, dude. Let's get to real life stories. Here is Megan and Ashley. The 4th of July, our border collie was bit by a rattlesnake in Tennessee. <laughs> and on the 8th of July, Megan got 
scientifically knocked up um, in, in, in an IVF round. And so I don't know what you know about IVF, but that's like, you know, a lot of shots, a lot of medicine, a lot of hormones and emotions and doctor trips and all the things. And our dog was had to go to the vet like every other day and have these bandage changes and all these things. And so fast forward until this week, Megan is still pregnant, thank God. Uh, and Charlie, our dog, had to have his leg amputated on Thursday. Oh yeah. Yes. All the while we have a two and a half year old who is fully two and a half. And like on Saturday and Sunday, wouldn't get in the car. And this morning wouldn't put pants on. And so we took her to school <laughs> with no pants. <laughs> it's just, and oh, and she, she went through it. She's in a sleep strike. So we're sleeping on the floor next to her bed. Oh, I mean, no. it's just pure and we're working and you know, all of the things, but so we're oh. just in this unreal season of <laughs> everything. I feel like a lot of people are going to relate to this. Maybe not the like rattlesnake dog amputation, <laughs> like foot thing. Yeah, that's pretty... That's very bonkers. Yeah, that's our special cherry on top. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so I have a question again. And if, if I ask this in the wrong, I, I'm just actually really curious. So, yeah. Megan, you're currently pregnant. I, I'm Correct. curious which of you, your your first child, your, your daughter, right? Is that what you said? Megan, did you carry her also or no? I did not. So Ashley carried our daughter, Mary Stewart, who's now two and a half. And this time I'm doing it because Ashley said she would never be pregnant again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. And we both wanted the experience. That's really fascinating. I wanted to experience it also. The whole reason Ashley went first in the first place was just when she got her blood work done, hers was better than mine. So she got to go first, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Got to go. Got to. And then she was like, never again. Yeah. Those people who are like glowing and they say it's such a magical, I don't know, maybe you have children, I think, right? And no, I'm with you, Ashley. I'm with you. After my pregnancy, I was like, and this is forever done. Yes. Right. Yeah. No, thank you. But, uh, well, that's really that's interesting. That's a unique experience. It like, is. yeah, that each of you have that will, ha- will have had that experience. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. Our story with our kids is we adopted our first child. And so, in my mind, I really actually never wanted to be pregnant at all. And so I was like, we're going to just adopt all our babies. But then I had a partner that I had to compromise with. <laughs> and he was like, I really just want one, at least one, like biological. Yeah. And so then that was the reason for the second pregnancy. And also why I was like, I did this. I fulfilled my my promise and I'm done, okay. done, done, done. So, yeah. yeah. It literally yeah. went like, I'm done, Jeff. You have to go get a vasectomy right now and be really <laughs> done. And like, so then I, wasn't, I, really I was, was like done. still breastfeeding, you know, I was like breastfeeding, <laughs> looking at him like we will never have sex again unless you get this. Done. <laughs> right. Yeah. The really beautiful thing about us is that we can't have any, any surprise. Like, I know. You call them accidents anymore. You have to call them surprises. Okay, yeah. so let's go. Let's go, let's go way, way back. back. Yeah. Tell us how the two. How did you two find each other? What's your love story? So we always joke that in Atlanta there are very few number of gay Christian women. 
And so we ran in sort of parallel circles for a while and we'd heard of each other. And then we saw each other standing in line at Taqueria del Sol in Decatur. Love that place. A we went a long place. time without seeing each other. It was unusual yeah. that we knew of each other for so long and we really never met though. It was, it was unusual that yeah. there was that much time. Yeah. Right. And so um, then we saw each other in line and had this kind of like, oh, like there you are in real life and you're awfully pretty and interesting. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, but we were, you were on a date. I was there by myself, right? We were kind of, I, w- I was dating some, we were, you know, doing our own things. And then sometime later we met at a party that one of these gay Christians threw. <laughs> and in like, in my mind, the way that, that Megan walked into that party, she had this like beautiful gaggle of gay boys as her like supporting cast and, you know, like time stopped and there was a fan blowing her hair back. And, you know, it was like, I don't know, just smoke. And it was like this incredible scene. And I was like, whoa, you know, there, here she is again. We're in the same house this time. And it's so cool. And I thought I was really cool. And I said, walked up to her and I said, Hey, we already know each other. And she was like, she shook my hand. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're like businessmen. I don't know. <laughs> And then she tried to uh, open a bottle that wasn't a twist off by twisting it. And she began to bleed. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I made a big scene and getting a bandaid and all these things. And then, and, she, and embar- then she embarrassed me right out of the gate. She made everyone is- in the whole party know I cut myself on a beer bottle. <laughs> That's been a theme for the rest of our relationship is I'm just generally an embarrassment. Um, but um yeah, you're silly and I love it right thank you but then yeah we just spent the rest of the night talking and um and we just really kind of clicked and and so we were friends for a little while and we dated for a little while and we got engaged and here we are so how long have you two been like together together six years six years that sounds right yeah six and a half something yeah and a baby well you have a two-year-old and then baby on the way baby on the way yep wow Megan you're a teacher and Ashley you're priest is that right or you're in is that can you okay explain what each other does and i'm curious like how have you two wrestled with this tension of love and work like how how has that played out as a tension with the two of you especially now that you have a two and a half year old child so i'm a teacher i'm a middle school teacher i teach seventh grade science and my schedule a teacher's schedule is pretty set so i come to work every day and then I come home at the same time. So my half of the work life is pretty structured. Teaching over the past few years has been stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is getting uh, better. I do think last year was pretty hard for a lot of teachers, um, but that definitely comes home with me. Uh, and Ashley definitely uh, works with me and reassures me and encourages me in my career. It is a tough one. Um, thankfully though, our little kiddo goes to a daycare associated with my school system. So that's helpful for us in this balance of, um, getting her up and getting her ready. I drop her off just like right next door to where I work. And that's pretty smooth and seamless except this morning when she arrived in her PJ top and no pants. Um, <laughs> otherwise as, that they, do, nice. as they do, can you do? every, every parent has had that moment for sure. <laughs> you kind of alluded to the you know, the last couple of years has been hard, especially for your field. Also similar to Andre's field. I'm curious as a follow-up question to that, like you're 
said nice things about how encouraging your partner's been, but like, how have you kept going in the midst of that? Because a lot of teachers are kind of dropping out, right? Like they're kind of, I don't know if that's the right word, but they're moving on. They're like, I'm done with this. How have you personally been able to sustain? It's not been easy. I will say that I was very close to accepting a different job uh, right before this school year started. So I had my option open and I, I do believe I am a teacher. I think that's the trade that I was meant to be in. I think God designed me to be a teacher. And I know that it is a gift that I am meant to use, but I felt pretty burnt out. Uh, but why I stayed with it and stuck with it this one more year and didn't take that other job ultimately is because Ashley was able to reflect to me all the positive that I, I do in it. So when I would come home kind of discouraged, she would remind me of that and she supported me in it, but also at the same time supported me at get, to getting out if I needed it. But yeah, it kind of, if you talk to a lot of teachers, they always probably have something a little bit on the back burner in case a year is just too hard, I'd say. But I'm back this year and this year is is going great. And I'm so happy that that I didn't take that other job. Hmm. Yeah. But there's no why. It's just like, I, we made it. Like, and I'm still yeah. here. Yeah. You're standing. <laughs> it's still like, way we made it. It's just like, I happen to still be here. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I can relate with this tension that my partner at times has not wanted to keep going, but yeah, I see this ability in her that's very unique and part of who she is and like trying to figure out when do I be like, you should quit. Or when am I like finding that balance between, Hey, you can quit or you really need to like go all in. And this is why you're here. You know, like, I don't know if you've, and, and again, maybe Ashley, you can relate with that even a ton too. Yeah. You know, I like, it's so hard because it's, it's like one of those, that's your choice, a hundred percent, Megan, and it would deeply impact our family. Right. And so we had to sit down and have all the, okay, we need to make this much money and, you know, we need, you know, this, these things have to kind of be in place, whatever you do next, but, and you are a gifted teacher and maybe could, you know, stick with what we know for one more year and see if it's, it's any better. And then, and then we can recalibrate or calibrate it all. But we had a lot, a lot, a lot of discussions about it. And it took me a while to get on board with team, whatever happens. You know, I was, I was pretty firmly planted in please, please stay a teacher. But then we got there and then I figured out how to like, be supportive no matter what. I feel like ours always goes back to, it's not so much about, I mean, the money's part of it, but also it's like, but you have really good insurance. And all right, Ashley, tell us about your work and what you do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm an Episcopal priest and I've been doing that for I guess seven, seven or so years now. And the uh, church that I'm currently serving at is really, really amazing. Um, it's the congregation is mostly made up of adults who live with mental illness, like schizophrenia, bipolar, big, heavy hitting stuff. And many of them live in poverty. And so I took this job in December of 2019 when I was great with child uh, and we didn't know that COVID was going to happen. Right. And so I spent like three very grumpy pregnant months with them and then 
Mary Stewart was born on March 13th, 2020. And so we closed the church, baby came out and we were home, right? For a long time. So anyway, that work was, it was really kind of sweet to be in this position because we couldn't go to church and we, you know, we weren't allowed to, and um, we all got to be home and I didn't have to really do a whole lot. And then, yeah, now we're, now we're back and church is great. It's a lot more than Sunday morning. I think people think that it's just like, people are always like, well, what do you do during the week? And I'm like, I just sit and pray, you know, all week long. Um, no, I'm, I'm the only priest of the church. So there's lots of administrative stuff to do and visiting people and, you know, being with them and, you know, the scheduling thing that Megan was alluding to, it's really hard because people who go to church, you know, have day jobs, right? So if I want to get to know somebody, I have to work with their schedule and they can't meet until the evening or, you know, I, I don't do weekends, but like, you know, it just ends up being there are nights that I have to go have dinner with somebody or we have to do, a, you know, we're the next four weeks, we're doing a program on Tuesday nights at church and you just kind of have to have to bend with, with people's schedules. And so that means like we have church every Wednesday night. And so I see, I see these two girls for like, 30 minutes on Wednesdays, they get home from school and then I, and then I run out the door. And so that's been really hard. It was one thing when we didn't have a kid, I think Megan sort of reveled in her (laughs) alone time without me, but now it just means she's solo parenting and, and that's, you know, not easy and, and sometimes not fun. So, so it's hard, but it's also like, we, you know, we both believe in the work and, you know, understand that it's vocational and just comes with challenges. It's a really interesting congregation or community that you lead. Yeah. How do you not take all that home with you or, or do you? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. And, and um, so it's so funny when, when we met the church I was working at was like a, a half a block from our house. And so I, I didn't have any drive time or any decompression, right. I would just come in the door with all that junk. And now I have sort of built in for myself some time, like to, to decompress and to let things go. And I try to, you know, get home before they get home. So I have some time to breathe and, and let it all go. But, but I do. And, you know, a priest is kind of always on call and my phone rings all the time and I get emails all the time. Right. And so I try to set up my boundaries and turn my notifications off and that kind of stuff when, when it feels like it's time to be present. But yeah, I mean, you have to bring it home. I mean, the, the, I don't, I don't know how people can not, and I don't know, you work at Grady, right? Like you, you see just some of the most horrific stuff and you can't unsee it and you can't, I mean, being a priest is a lot like that, right? You walk with people in really vulnerable moments and, and hard moments and really, and also really joyful moments. I mean, so it kind of all balances, but there are seasons absolutely that I'm just kind of grumpy around here (laughs) going on. You mentioned solo parenting. You nonchalantly threw that out there. Is that something that you two have like unpacked? Happening now. Okay. <laughs> Real time. I think we're, you know, I'll let you speak about this, but but what's interesting is that because of COVID, we didn't really have to navigate this much, right? right. And now people are kind of coming out again. And and like I'm finding myself like I have a wedding. I have to go to Carrollton for a re- wedding rehearsal tonight and then the wedding's tomorrow and then I have another wedding next weekend and, and there's a funeral and like all these things. So it seems like suddenly I'm a whole lot busy here. So Megan, you can speak to how that is for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
suddenly she is a whole lot busier. And sometimes when we get home, Ashley's there for a little bit and then might go. Um, And then sometimes maybe she's not able to be there. And yeah, so it's just me and the kiddo. And it's lovely, great time sometimes. And sometimes you want to just be able to go to the bathroom by yourself. (laughs) And that can't happen when you're the only uh, parent there. It makes it a little hard to not get a bit of a break, which gives me a taste of what it's like for people who are single parents. And I just am like, wow, I can't even imagine how exhausted it feels. Mm -hmm. Uh, But another piece of that that's hard is I do, I am now spending more time with Mary Stewart than Ashley is, which then is hard too for us because the more time she spends with me, then she might a weekend come around and then be more connected to me, even when Ashley is there. And that's another dynamic that we hadn't experienced because we really did. COVID was terrible and horrible in so many ways, but we spent Mary Stewart's first two years of her life really together as a family a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it is a new thing we're navigating the solo time and what that means. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, where there would be times it's like, I'm in the bathroom trying to have my like one minute to go to the bathroom and the kid would knock on, come all the way around to my bathroom, knock on the, from the kitchen, run from the kitchen all the way around, knock on the door. Mom, I need a snack. I need a snack. And I'm like, I know your father is standing in the kitchen, (laughs) you know, but it was like, again, that connection more to mom for that season of time, right? That like feels like they can only ask me for this snack. And I'm like, your dad is there, like, you know, or whatever. But yeah, it's, it is, it is those moments that you're like, wait, what does this mean then? And how long do we keep doing this? And yeah. And we've started to build in some intentional solo time with just Ashley and Mary Stewart. So even if Mm, I am done work, and could pick Mary Stewart up. Ashley picks Mary Stewart up and they have their early afternoon together. And then I come home after I go to my, my thrift store adventures, which is my, (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's the cheapest therapy ever. (laughs) She just goes to the thrift store. And you're a happy girl. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I need. That's great. Well, I think being gay and a priest feels kind of oxymoronish a little bit because it's not very common culture kind of thing. How did that come about for you? And then also like, how did your, you know, family of origin where, tell us like backstory a little bit about all of that for you and your story, Ashley. Yeah. Um, that's, that's easy. They go together. So my dad was an Episcopal priest also. Oh, okay. Um, and you were a PK. Yeah. Right. Yes. And I like when other kids wanted to play doctor in school, I wanted to play church. Like I just thought it was fun. And um, there's like a picture of me doing the wedding for our dog and her invisible (laughs) husband. Um, So yeah, like it's just, I think was always kind of part of, part of me. So my, the the Episcopal church is very, very open and affirming. Um, And with one blip on the radar in, in the early 2000s, there was a big split over ordaining gay bishops. And my parents, who had always been very liberal, for some reason, 180'd and became very, very conservative about that issue. And that's in my like squishy formative, like, "Hmm, I think I might be gay years. And like they were loud about not being very affirming. So 
you know, whatever. I just kind of bopped along and and I had a lot of independence and they just kind of, I just did my thing. And then finally, when I was in college, they asked me um, if I was gay. And I always told myself that if they asked me, then that meant that they were ready to hear it and, and I would be honest. And so they asked me and they were not ready to hear it as it turned out. <laughs> at all. Um, and so uh, my mom really freaked out and, and, you know, said it was wrong and bad and all the things. And my dad said that is probably a phase. Um, and I was like, I don't, I don't think that it is. And then my dad said, you know, make sure you just stay open, like to love, however it comes to you. And I actually really appreciate that and agree with that. You know, it wasn't like, it didn't feel to me like he was holding out hope for me to be straight. It was just like, just don't box yourself in. And, and I, and I have, I've always believed that if some man had come along before I got married and swept me off my feet, then I I would have said yes to that, you know, and that's okay. But so then, um, my dad, so then, yeah, you know, my parents are super conservative and then, um, I was starting to discern this vocation and there's a formal discernment process. And I was in that process when my dad died and, the week before he died, we are talking about this. I kind of went to him and I said, yeah, I would like as much of a blessing as you can give to me. And he said in that conversation, he said, I I think I'm fine with you being a priest. I believe that you're called to that, but we don't want you to be a priest to, and I quote, a ghetto of lesbian. I was like, what? (laughs) Like, what is that? (laughs) Like, What in the world do you mean? And he just, I think what he was trying to say was don't, make yourself the gay priest, basically. So again, it's like this don't box yourself in thing. I don't. And I, again, like weird, weird language choice, very strange. And I don't, I don't want to box myself in, you know, I never want to be like the token gay priest. I just, I want to be a faithful person who is also a priest and is married to a woman, you know? And so, and then, yeah, then he died a week later and, um, that was it. And so, and then my mom kind of eventually came around and Trump got elected and my mom said, I'm not that. So, um, she was at our wedding. I'd never envisioned a world when she would be at our wedding. And now she zooms into our church service every week and her zoom password is Ash can preach. So she's, she's really come around. Um, and like when Megan came in the mix, they, my mom and, and my sister, who is also very conservative, they both were like, oh, this is it. This is, this makes sense. And so they have just been really wonderful and supportive. So as part of that, you kind of unpacked a, another element, like if somebody's listening, which is, I think this is very, very common. Like you may have one political perspective. Your parents may have a different political perspective. And you kind of alluded to that. I'm curious how, just getting to know you, but very quickly, I can tell you're like a very thoughtful peacemaker in general in life. It seems that way. And maybe not as based on the response. Depends on who you ask. Uh, I'm curious how you, how you navigated that over time with your family and what we could learn that you've learned through that. I don't know that I did it very well. I mean, I was in my twenties and like, I was a bozo in my twenties. Right. But, um, I, you know, yeah, we fought a lot and, and I think that's okay. I think, you know, I am not in the business of changing minds and that's not my thing, but I am in the business of like, if we disagree, we have to be kind and we have to figure out how to stand on common ground. Right. And, and I think we did that. We had a lot of fights. Thanksgivings were murky and we kind of all 
figured out like what we do love about each other and how we can play. And luckily, thank God, my sister had four beautiful children in the midst of all of that. And so we could all kind of dote on them and and find commonality in, in loving them. And that was a real, a real gift. Now it's really hard because there, there is like, there's over a decade of some kind of really damaging stuff there that I'm like, I could tell my mom and my sister would sort of rather just ignore and, and I don't want to ignore it. And I'm like wondering if any, any time they'll ever say, you know, we're kind of sorry about how that all went down. Um, I don't, I don't know that they will, but, um, but maybe, I don't know. So I don't, I don't know. I don't think I did it very well. I think we just figured out how to love each other still and be around each other. We didn't avoid each other. We, we still hung out and, mm-hmm. um, and thank God for little babies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Megan, what about you? Were you along? I mean, tell us about your family of origin a little bit too, and your process, but were you along in this kind of uncertain time together or when you came in, you got to like smooth through the family in a nice, you know, mm-hmm. easy way. So I'll say, I'll speak to, so you were mentioning when I came into Ashley's family story, yeah. um, I'll mention that. And then I'll talk about before with my family. Uh, I think when I came onto the scene, when I met Ashley, her family was at this place of pivot, right? They had been, and more in a conservative mindset and pretty simultaneously. Like I remember, I do think one of the first things her mother said to me is you're not gay too, are you? Cause we were roommates. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in which I didn't lie. And I said, yes, because I'll tell you about my story. I had made it to that point where I was capable of saying yes and not lying. <laughs> um, but I will say uh, by a year later, I felt completely loved by her mother. And I felt like our love, Ashley and I's love was supported by her mother. Mm. And so they were in a transformative time as I showed up. And I feel very thankful for that. And I do think like Ashley said, I think they saw that Ashley and I are each other's person. And I think that that made a difference in their minds too. It's like that Um, connection, like, you know, the touch points, right? The real people in front of you versus like a news bite or this or that. Exactly. They couldn't deny that we were for one another and that it made sense Mm. before that. So with my family, I'm, I was raised Christian also, but Pentecostal, so different theologies. And we did shift to Southern Baptist a little later on, but still similar in the theology on gay, I'd say. So they are still, my parents are actually no longer Baptist. They're Messianic Jews. I don't know if you know what that is, but Jews for Jesus. Um, (laughs) It's a shortened way to say it. And Ashley describes it as if you can't get any more conservative in the Christian denominations, maybe step into the Messianic Yeah. That's where they spend their Saturdays um, <laughs> and their holidays. Luckily, though, now we don't have to worry about Christmas, splitting Christmas. <laughs> there you and go. Um, so they still are in theology that is not okay with gay. And I was raised in that theology. I was I was emerged in it. It permeated my existence. My mom didn't just go take us to church. It oozed out of her mouth constantly. God still to this day. I mean, the amount of text I get when we're struggling with Mary Stewart, my mom saying, well, you got to remind her that Jesus is with her um, as she's trying to fall asleep. It's it's just my mom's entity is, is permeates Jesus and Christianity, Messianic Judaism. So I I definitely was raised keeping my uh, sexuality a secret. And I thought it would be a secret for my entire life because I believed the theology myself. And it's, 
I've had two kind of coming outs. It was a coming out to myself that I was gay and that and deconstructing my theology and accepting it for myself. Hmm. But I had to do all of that before I told my family. And then I had to also kind of process, is it worth disappointing or hurting my family? Um, And so I've passed all those steps. And so we coexist. Um, She is the grandmother of Mary Stewart, my grandfather, and my dad is the grandfather of Mary Stewart, but there's still some tensions there Mm. for sure. Were your parents at the wedding? They were not. Yeah. My brother was in the wedding now. So that was a nice piece. That's great. So when you say the first part, the first part was accepting that you were gay and a Christian. Is that like that piece? And would you call yourself that still? Yeah. So I knew I was gay. So not accepting that I was gay, but rather that I could allow myself to fall in love with and marry a woman. Not that that was an option at the time. (laughs) Um, Like your actions versus staying celibate. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Um, And so I definitely went through a deconstruction process of how I viewed Christianity and how I viewed God within it and came to a piece where I, I did believe oh, I am a Christian. It does fit with the Bible and what the Bible says in theology. And I'm gay. And I came to that before I even told my family. Mm-hmm. So I was in my, tw- I was in my like mid twenties when I first told my family, but I had to, before I told my family decide, okay, I believe God's okay with it, but am I okay with disappointing and hurting my family knowing that they aren't okay with it? Right. So I had like a double wall to, to yeah. defeat able to live into what is my truth, my reality. One thing we think is the most important part of finding your person is um, figuring out if you can do life the same way. Hmm. Um, and I think that we found out that we can do life the same way. And and we knew we liked each other. I mean, we knew we got along and, you know, whatever, but we were like, oh, the, yeah, there might be something, something more here. Um, and so then, so yeah. So it was like, but there was no, like, I think, uh, yeah, our spark moment was probably like a taqueria, right? But we didn't know what to do with it yet. And so, yeah. That's cool. Um, Okay. As a man that has learned in the last 20 years of being married, this idea of partnership and trying to break the molds of... um, Patriarchy. How... Wow, that wasn't the word I was going to say actually at all. It was, it's more not like I was thinking like gender norms. I think is I'd be curious what I could learn from the two of you as you had to have unpacked gender norms in your relationship because it doesn't it doesn't exactly apply. Is that a fair way to say in in Yeah. Yeah. How did you guys yeah. unpack that and what can I learn from you in that? Uh, yeah. Um, you're like really kind of messing with this question because because we don't know like neither of us have ever been married to a man right or right. like and we both dated guys but we've not like been in really serious relationships and so like I don't know when there's no man around a woman takes the trash out and like mows the lawn and does the things you know and so it's kind of like you know you just do you what's just, needed I mean you know like I mean, we've just always had this all hands on deck kind of mentality. And, you know, when it comes to like chores and stuff, we said like, what do you hate? And I'll do that. And, you know, whatever. And yeah, I don't know. I think we just don't, we just don't ever have to really think about that. And so it's such a compelling question because like we just, and the only, I think the only time that we think about like the, the fact that we're both women and that there's not a man around is like sometimes around safety, we, we go camping a lot and some, we, we get, kind of 
we're not afraid of bears and we're afraid of like psycho humans, you know, with a chainsaw running through the woods. Not that like, I don't know, Jeff, what you would do in that situation, but he would run. I'd be like, Andre, say me. I'd be like, Andre, say me. In front of him and tell. She's a lot tougher than I am. (laughs) Right. Right. And so like, that's, that's like the, I think our most gendered thinking is like, we're, we're safer when a man is around, hmm. which is, you know, I don't know. We have pepper spray and like, then what else? I mean, I don't know what else you do, but yeah. Um, and it's not even that we're not capable. It's that the, our presence lacks a man and other people can see that. And that then suggests we are more vulnerable too. Right. right. Yeah. When we feel that. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't know, like that's, it's probably not even an answer to your question, but like, no, we don't, don't tackle it because, or yeah, we just, don't need we are just people yeah <laughs> and we have our strengths and our weaknesses and we navigate it and we communicate and i think i think our perception of straight couples is that they're just navigating it the same way because they're also just two people and and as as we're raising mary stewart you know she's she's at birth she's a, a was born as a as a girl and but we're like i mean she loves nothing more than playing with dump trucks and you know boy stuff right and so we're like we've just I don't know it's just sort of whatever you're interested in and whatever you want like that's what we'll do and Mm -hmm. like I don't cook and thank god because she's very very bad at it great at it and it's her hobby yeah support her hobbies not because I'm a woman right because you're a human and you love it exactly right right so as a Ashley as a priest as a person that a lot of people probably come for advice from you. I'm curious, like what advice do you give newlyweds that are trying to unpack their, their story? And maybe it's the, maybe it's both of you when you sit down with people, I have a feeling there's some things you two have learned. What, what advice do you give to others? Yeah. It's, so I'm doing this wedding tomorrow and I was working on my little sermon for it. And I mean, we, we approach I you know I give one set of advice to to like a, a a Christian couple you know versus someone else. But if you, if you're if you're a believer of some some sort, our God weeps with those who weeps and rejoices with those who rejoice. And I guess that applies. You can apply it either way. But it's like be present with your person in in wherever whatever they are doing. You know you're not there to to fix their tears, and you're not there to you know do anything with their rejoicing other than accompany them in that. Our God is also a God of grace and love and abundance. And so, you know, it's important to draw from our own abundance to find grace and love at, at every turn in everything that we do. As foundational pieces, those those feel pretty good to kind of build upon. Yes, there's work. Yes, there's, you know, you need to go to therapy and you have to do all the things. Um, but but being aware of of, of a pretty fortunate foundation is, is a big deal. Um, and so then I don't know if you're not like take those same ideas and put them on, on, on somebody who doesn't believe in a Christian God, which is the one that I'm most familiar with. Not that I'm saying that's the best one. Um, but, but I think, you know, yeah, figuring out how to just be really present with one another and, and never trying to fix and always just trying to sort of be as a companion, um, and, and listen and, and hear the, hear the joy and hear the suffering and, and sort of say, how can I be with you in this? And I say that as a fixer and somebody who almost always pivots to here's how we can solve your problems. Um, and, and my wonderful wife says, I need you to shut up and just listen to me. Um, and I appreciate that. But what I don't know, Megan, what advice do you 
do you think? Well, hang on. While you prep for that, Andre always says to me, Jeff, do I do not want you to be my life coach right now. That has, there's no interest in that right now. That is like, right. Yeah. Just be with me. Yeah. That's good. That's something Ashley could say to me sometimes. Because <laughs> um, I do. I start going into some practices she could do, and she just wants me to hear her. Um, I, th- I think you said a lot of it, Ashley. To me, the obvious, everyone always says communication. And I think for me, the part of the communication is the listening that I've gotten better with and not because and listening in a way to truly understand, I think jumping to assume the intention of your significant other in, um, in action or what they say is, is, is damaging. Um, it's, you gotta make sure you're listening and you're hearing them. Um, because sometimes we just touch soft parts um, that hurt them and we don't realize it. And it's and in a way that we didn't intend. And you just got to make sure you know your person and you know that what they're processing and going through while you also are processing and going through stuff. And just remember that we're on the same team. <laughs> Which, I was going to say, you know, we, yeah, we always say we're on the same team. We're on the same team. And when we get into a space where it feels like we're not, that's when we freeze and we're like, wait, I think that I'm reading this the wrong way than you are because we are on the same team. Team. And if we're acting like we're not, like there's a miscommunication happening and that's where we kind of return. So that would be mine is the communication on the same team. Make sure you're listening. Which boils down to trust, you know, trusting that we're here for each other and, and that no one's out to get anybody and, you know, you know, that we all are working together toward the same goal, which is just a happy, safe, healthy life. It's funny because, you know, I had lined up in our questions, what are, what is advice for like same-sex couples that you would give? And then what's advice for hetero couples that you would give? And I'm listening to you both and I'm like, obviously we're all just couples and we're all just people that are in relationship with each other, with two very different people trying to make it work and stay together, you know, and honor each other and love each other well. And it doesn't really matter, really. I mean, your advice goes across all of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When we were looking at those questions, we were like, we don't, I don't know how to answer. And I, maybe we're not good gays. Like there are probably other people (laughs) who who might like be able to answer those questions better, but we, we are like kind of traditional and kind of, we just like, you know, good gays. I don't know what a good gay is. I don't either. I feel like like, if you're an Episcopal priest that's gay, I think you're pretty a good, pretty much a good gay. (laughs) Maybe. We we always, you know, like like um gay is not our cause, which is like like we're grateful for people who marched to them the marches and got the laws changed and did all the things, but like that's kind of not us. We just we want people to see our lives as just we're we're kind of typical people and you know, we're married and have a kid and a messy house and you know, all the things, right? And I don't know. Yeah. Gay is kind of like always at the back in the back of our minds. Right. Yeah, exactly. We're the family with the three-legged dog. Is yeah. <laughs> we're the family with the three-legged dog. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Aww. Who knew after the amputation? <laughs> well, yeah. we when we started this whole project, we were unpacking this question because of our own relationship. We both are living hopefully purposeful lives. We love each other and we're trying to raise kids, you know, and so I would love to ask as a last question to each of you, do you think all of this is possible? Is it, is it possible to stay in love, 
live out your purpose and raise a healthy family. I do think it's possible. And I think intention is so necessary. And I'm so thankful that I married to who I married to because we, like she said, we realized we do life the same way. And when we realized that, it was that we realized that we wanted to stay in love, to live our lives out in our causes and to have a family and that it was going to be hard and that we would keep coming back to one another. Um, and we recently um, did something, a step toward. So I think it's doing intentional things. And we went to a concert for the first time since COVID the other night. And we felt like we did six years ago when we met and our kid was awake with her babysitter, but we didn't care. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And I would say we, yeah, it's definitely possible. And that concert was nice. <laughs> Oh. What concert did you go to? Brandy Carlisle. Yeah, She's gay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were with all the gays she, at uh, the Brandy yeah, concert. See, they, I went to the Alicia to... Keys concert and she uh, came uh, out, uh, though, and sang a song with, with her. Yeah, it was great. Because they have that duet yeah. together. That's right. Yeah. That night, all the lesbians were at Brandy Carlisle and all the gay men were at Elton John. There was no gay person at home in Atlanta. There was night. zero, for sure. And then everybody else was that Alicia Keys. So, right. Yeah. How would you answer that question, Ashley? Yeah, it, I have to believe it's possible. Right. I mean, I think even if like this morning it didn't feel possible when our kid wouldn't put pants on and we were all turning on each other. Um, it's like the hope that that's possible is, is so motivating. Um, and without hope, where are we? Right. And so I think even there are a lot of days when it feels not just possible, but it feels like that's what's happening. And then there are a lot of days when it feels far off, but it's still possible. Um, and that's kind of where we fix our gaze and, and move forward. So yeah, I, I think we are proof that it's possible at least today. And, um, <laughs> but one day at a time, right. Um, and I, you know, have no intentions of, of living a life that, that is any different than than being married to Megan and parenting our kids and, and doing this work that I'm called to do. And now it's time for the breakdown. Yes. Well, uh, first of all, I love just right off the bat that they're like, gay is not our cause. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me so happy that... They're just really trying to do life together, trying to have raised kids, have their family life, make sure their dog doesn't get bitten by rattlesnakes. You know, like <laughs> they're just living life here, trying to do the best they can, just like all of us. And they're not here to promote their big cause or anything like that, but really invested in life together. And then you know, and life in community, especially Ashley as a priest with uh, so many people in her. As a pastor's kid, it's so so challenging. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like their idea, this concept of figuring out if we can do life the same way. I think this is really interesting. It affects a lot of couples. Like, hey, this is the way I want to do life. And the other person, this is the way I want to do life. And, and does it have to be the same? Hmm. I don't think it always has to be the same. But there has to be ways where the two of you collide and are going in the same direction. I do think that that's important. Yeah, it's like the big topics need to be similar, but then how that like plays itself out could be different. Do you right. know what I mean? So like you have to have some of the big things that are 
you know, for example, we're going to be in monogamous together and this is a monogamous relationship. So it's like the big thing has to have this mutual agreement. And then how like sex plays out underneath that is all going to change and shift and be different through different stages of life. But wow, you turned this into all that. Well, I'm just saying it, it was an example or hey, like get your mind. You always talk about sex. This is, it oh always my- comes here. I'm like, can you chill out? Babe, like, I'm just I saying mean, in any relationship, I wasn't just saying like, <laughs> whatever. Oh my gosh. This is awesome. We all know who talks about sex. Easy. I mean, it's very clear based on this conversation, oh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. What are the things that are going to bring you together? And what are the things that it doesn't matter? We can do life. We can do it a little bit different, but we can still come together for certain aspects of it. Yeah. I also really like just the idea of being present with each other uh, without the fixing part. I think as a one, I'm generally thinking about fixing a lot. This reminds and me of that the time is, I tried to be your life coach. It's not easy for me. And then, yes, as a life coach <laughs> over here, he decided he was I'm not going a life to coach for the record. Well, as a what are you? I do feel like I can. Be a, I could be a really great life coach. For and you. you think that it will be for me. <laughs> <laughs> he really thinks he can tell me how to live my life. No, I don't think. I actually, I know I can't. I know that I've done it, but it hasn't and worked. And how's that worked out for not you? Well. well, let's not do that, guys. There's a good life tip, marriage tip, relationship tip. <laughs> That's one that'll stick. That'll stick. That'll stick. Uh, I Lastly, feel like they've read our book. I mean, they were right. like, we need to be on the same team. I was like, use oh some my of our gosh, language. Chapter, I was like, let's you know. go. Yeah. Um, I love and, it. I just really enjoyed getting to know them. Megan, Ashley, you guys are awesome. Appreciate you. Thanks for sharing your life with us. And I'm excited we got to do this interview with them. And that's another episode of Love, love or Work. work.